Hello everybody, I'm your host Patrick, and welcome back to another episode of Not Adding Up. This week, I have a brand new co-host with me. My friend Gwen has come on the show. Hi, yeah, I'm really excited. Patrick has been wanting me to come on for, well, since he started the show, because he knows I like all the same true crime stuff, so I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited that this is a case that I don't think that you're going to know anything about. But I do have a little business to get into before we talk about the case that I haven't really explained how to get to my Patreon, but if you head to my Instagram, which is at podcast NAU, or my Facebook, which is just not adding up, you'll be able to find my link tree. And my link tree has all my main streaming platforms, social medias, and other important links for you to stay up to date with all things not adding up. I have two tiers on my Patreon. One is for $2 and it is ad-free episodes and early releases on weeks where I'm actually ahead of the game and have it ready in time. And then the other is $5 and this will get you case request priority, a free monthly gift, which is currently different stickers and a handwritten note. So that was my little Patreon shout out. You can find the link in my link tree and you can find the link tree on my Facebook or Instagram. And I also wanted to give a shout out to a new friend of mine Mary Ann from Crime Scene and Cupcakes is one of the sweetest individuals I have had the pleasure of meeting through podcasting. While we have only known each other for a few months, she has always been so kind and supportive of my podcast. She even made me a TikTok last week and it about made me cry. She is just the sweetest. She like had her dog in it and she was like, we hope your allergies feel better at the end of it. I was like, oh my gosh, Mary Ann. She also has her own podcast, which I mentioned, Crime Scene and Cupcakes, and her inspiration for doing so is very touching. Mary Ann lost someone very close to her a long time ago, and she has not been able to find resolution to her case. So now she realizes how that feels, and she has used her podcast, her networking skills, and her experience in law enforcement to put together more than just a show she put together a mission to solve an unsolved murder very important to her. Hey guys, it's Marianne, dog mom, baker, true crime podcast maker. What would you do if someone killed your best friend and it's been 33 years and it seems like nobody is doing jack? You would start a podcast and go find the answers yourself. And that's exactly what we're doing here at Crime Scene and Cupcakes. So join us as we look for the answers and also find the answers and some other unsolved cases as well here in Kansas. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as many other platforms. You can also find us on all the social media apps, such as Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, you name it, we're there. So come find us. I am happy to announce that I will be working directly with Mary Ann in the coming weeks so I'm able to spread awareness for her friend, Krista Martin. So stay tuned, 
because it might take a while. I want to make sure I have everything just right in order to do both Krista and Marianne justice. Love you, Marianne. And before we get into the case, I just have one more shout out, and this one actually pertains to the case. So this case takes place in a small town in West Virginia. And with that being said, I was rather limited in terms of articles and sources. However, I was able to get in touch with a family member of the individual we're going to be talking about, his sister-in-law, Selena. Selena has been nothing but wonderful to me as she has found the time to get back to me and provide me some insider information regarding the case. We have been texting back and forth for a little over a month and she has always been so sweet. She has trusted me with something very important to herself and her loved ones and for that I thank her profusely. While we do not know each other well from what she has told me, this woman is a complete badass. While I'm not going to share the personal things she shared with me, I will share something that gives you an idea of what the type of woman she is. Selena is a part of a newly formed nonprofit called Voices for the Silenced, where she serves as the secretary board member. Their mission is to provide resources to families of missing persons, advocate their cases, and just bring overall awareness to the issue. This can be in the form of flyers, searches. They hope to eventually be able to raise enough money to donate to private investigators, create rewards funds for missing persons, and help further their overall cause. So Selena has taken a tragedy that her husband experienced and turned it into a mission not only to bring justice to her own family, but families in similar situations. I will have some links to some Facebook page that Selena is involved with, one of which is for Luke, who is the individual we're going to be talking about today, and one is for West Virginia missing persons in general. The West Virginia group is specifically for West Virginia cases, so keep that in mind if you're going to join, and please adhere to all the group rules. So with that lengthy business, normally it's not that long, but I wanted to give both Mary Ann and Selena their proper shoutouts. But we're going to get into the case. So this case is really a disappearance, I suppose, because we don't have any body we don't know what happened to say for fact because we don't have the evidence but mm. there are a there is a lot of I guess you could say speculative evidence that kind of adds up like for once this case kind of makes a lot of sense to me and it just doesn't make sense on why more hasn't been done to get the resolution that's pretty clear if you look at everything okay so Luke Stout has been missing since July 18th, 2012. He would disappear from his home on Hickory Flat Road outside of Buchanan, West Virginia. Oh, so like really close to us. Yeah, Buchanan's like, I think like a little over an hour, right? Yeah, if that. So who is Luke Stout? Luke was 24 when he would go missing, and at the time he was working as a carpenter, as he had since he was 19 living with his mother, who was terminally ill, and he helped care for. He also had the help of his three brothers, who he was very close with. It seemed like a pretty close family in general, and Luke would never complain about his situation. In fact, he was a pretty big mama's boy and would like call her multiple times throughout the day to like check in on her. Aww. It was like, yeah, thinking of like a 24-year-old boy doing that. It's like, 
23-year-old man doing that. Mm-hmm. He is described as having compassion and being a free spirit. Luke was a lover of animals. He enjoyed playing music, writing, drawing, and was known to be a little bit of a nerd, much like myself, no shame. <laughs> he enjoyed reading comic books, playing video games, including World of Warcraft, which is like, I don't, never dabbled in that, but I know that that's like an intense one. People like love, I know if, I have a few friends that play it and it's like a subculture. <laughs> yeah, if I've heard of it, it's pretty big because I know nothing about video games. I definitely think that I would be friends with him if we lived in the same area and he seems like a very kind and caring person, especially if he was taking care of his mother like that. Yes, an animal lover, mama's boy, sounds familiar over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> She got me. Nerd, too. Don't forget that. It's <laughs> a nerd. So let's get into Luke's disappearance. On the afternoon of July 18th, 2012, Luke had plans to meet with his friend Dylan, and his friend Dylan was going to help him fix his bike, which was his current mode of transportation, as at the time he had no insurance for his car, so he wasn't driving it. His like bike, a motorcycle? No, like a bike. Okay, okay. Like a bicycle. So I'm like, damn, his luck. Like, he's like, he, he's already making the best of it. He's like, we're getting to work, okay? We're using this bike. And I don't know what, I don't know what happened to it, but his bike was broken. So he needed Dylan to help him. And he apparently Dylan had the tools and knew how to fix a bike. So they made the arrangements. And that afternoon, he would head down their long driveway to be picked up by this, quote, Dylan. His mother, Elizabeth, and his brother, Kenny, would watch as he would seemingly walk out of their lives. For after he left their view, Luke has never been seen again. Luke's family quickly became concerned when he didn't return. Her. Her. Okay. So Dylan picked him up from his parents, his mom's house. His mom's house, where he was living. Okay. At the end of the driveway. And from reading the articles, it seems like they, like... The porch, you can't see the end, and he would just walk to the end to get picked up. Probably because you can't see it from the road, maybe something like that. Whenever he didn't come home, Elizabeth was immediately concerned, and soon after, she filed a missing persons report. However, Elizabeth found the police were not very interested in putting in a full-blown search for Luke. Yeah, because he's 24, right? Yeah. So it's it's an adult, and at this point, he wasn't missing for that long. Yeah, and, didn't seem and he was last seen with a friend, so... And it, but he was never seen with Dylan. Like, they, like, so, like, it was out of view. Like, they never saw who he got into the truck with, and, the, like, he has... This is kind of jumping ahead, but he had multiple friends named Dylan. Oh. So they really don't even know which Dylan it was. Oh, okay. And there is a specific Dylan that is, makes a lot of sense that it was probably this Dylan. Okay. Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. So besides the missing persons report, really not much was done. And, but the family was still very concerned, like doing what they could to see if they could, like if anybody saw him looking around for him, like seeing if anybody knows where he is. While they were looking around town a few days later, his brothers found his bike still broken in a trailer park behind a local CVS. And how far away is that from their house? So it was in Buchanan. 
a couple miles. I'll look up a Google map. But so I didn't really look into much about the CVS or the trailer park because there were like there's not really any suspicion there. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking like how far did he make it with this bike? But was that yeah? But we don't even know if that. Yeah, if the bike meant that he was there. Okay, after some quick Google search, it is about seven minutes. Okay. 2.8 miles. So it wasn't just right around the corner or anything? No, no. But it's also like, I don't think that location is of any importance other than them disposing of the bike there. So they took the bike after they found it to the police and the police were just like... Take... They confronted the police with the bike. Well, they were just like, here's some potential evidence. And they were like, it's a bike. We don't need that to get home. Oh. Which I'm like, okay, <laughs> the first of many things that I don't like police doing in this yeah. case. Because that's kind of justifiable. It's just like, once again, like you said, it's a 24-year-old. Yeah, like the day after, maybe not doing a full-blown search for a 24-year-old. I could see that that's a popular thing that happens, but days go by and then they find his bike. That's a little and suspicious. It's like a prime piece of evidence. Yes, because that was what he was going to get fixed. <laughs> and it's like, it's not fixed, and we don't have our brother. So, and they're like, well, he's going to come home, just take the bike. Huh. The police, in this case, whew. And I'm sure they're just trying to explain, like, no, he calls every day, like, it's not like him, but I can imagine and the police weren't taking it. They, they were not. They were not taking it at all. So the police were going to be of little help. And the family enlisted the help of a volunteer search organization. So, like, yay, good news. But this volunteer search organization would still need permission from local law enforcement to just come in and conduct searches and whatnot. And probably to share resources of the case. Hmm. Which they, um, all they would have at this point is what Elizabeth told them. So, like, I, it's not like they were really sharing much other than their authority, like, their authority and permission. And they said no. Oh, no. I've never even heard of that, needing permission to search. They were from Texas, so maybe oh, that's why. Oh, so they were getting people from far out. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the police denied this for... For... <laughs> for good reason in the police's eyes, because they do have incentive to not want to look into this case. Oh, well, tell, tell. Tell, tell, tell. Me, like, in all caps, I was like, they refused free assistance and looking <laughs> for a missing person. No, seriously, though. Like, can, can we think of one good reason? It was free assistance? It was a volunteer. And they don't even have to help? Th like they literally, all they had to do was say okay and, like, give their okay because I'm... And maybe, like, maybe it wasn't by law, but maybe that was, like, what the volunteer thing... Like, maybe that's, like, we we need this. Like, we need the police to say this is okay. Maybe that's their code of ethics. Yeah, because maybe if they were to find anything, it could be... Like, what would they do with it at that point? They could take it, like, they wouldn't, they would take it to the local authorities who would be like, you found this in an unauthorized search. Exactly. This is null. Yeah. I guess it does make sense. But it doesn't make sense that the police said no. So. No. Don't be saying that just because this is a small town West Virginia case that it doesn't have its twists and turns. Because this case is just fucking insane. It's about to go from, like, a missing person in a small town West Virginia to, like, what the fuck? Like, this is not a West Virginia... Like, this, it's very small town still, but it's like... Honestly, this... I feel like most of the small town West Virginia cases are pretty what the fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I can see it, but I'm ready. 
Do you hate the sound of your alarm clock? That daily reminder that it's time to get out of your warm and cozy bed and take on your event-filled day. Do you find yourself hitting the snooze button too many times? Or relating to memes on Facebook about leaving for work five minutes after you were supposed to clock in and hoping to still be on time? Well, then I have the product for you. Early Bird Morning Cocktail has completely changed how I see my early mornings. Their morning cocktail is a powdered drink mix that you make every night before bed in their handy-dandy insulated shaker. After making your cocktail, just leave it on your nightstand for the next morning. What I personally recommend is setting your alarm for 15 to 20 minutes before you actually want to get up. When it goes off, drink your cocktail and go back to bed. When your next alarm goes off, you will be hardwired and ready to get shit done. But wait, are energy drinks like super bad for you? Well, Early Bird is not just an energy drink, it's a specifically crafted dietary supplement with added electrolytes and mood-boosting nootropics. Their energy blend consists of organic green coffee caffeine, blueberry, broccoli, tart cherry, and green tea extract, as well as additional ingredients that are all easy to pronounce and understand. So if waking up in the morning is something that you struggle to do, go to clubearlybird.com today and try Early Bird Morning Cocktail. Use code NOTADDINGUP10 for 10% off your order and start kicking the alarm clock's ass today. That's not adding up 10 for 10% off your order at clubearlybird.com. So less than a week after Luke went missing, the body of another missing local man was found, that of Joshua Oberg. Joshua was killed in a murder-for-hire plot in which a local restaurant owner, Chino Rodolfo, was the mastermind. Chino would hire two men, Jesse Heater and Robert Siren, Siren, I don't care, to kill Oberg for $5,000. So, wait, when is this timeline-wise in reference to? Joshua Oberg went missing in January. Okay. He was found on the 24th of July, which is like, fuck, like... That's like so, like, obviously you would be like, oh my god, this is Luke, because a body right after he went missing. But he was connected to, like, confirmed connected, like, Chino Rodolfo Gomez was arrested for this, and so were the other two men. Okay, because that's they, how they know all that already. Yes, yes. well, already. Upon finding the... You just didn't say that they found the body and then had to go through a huge investigation afterwards. Yeah, they confirmed it to be Josh because they were like, this is either Luke or Josh. You know what I mean? There's two missing men. They found a missing man. The process of elimination. I don't know how, like, they determined that it was him. But they just already had a background on... On this missing man. Yes. Yes. Okay. And he was from out of state. And I didn't really, like, I didn't dig much into him other than why he was murdered and like Chino's involvement Mm -hmm. and Chino like I said would hire two men and like let's go back to that for five thousand dollars that's twenty five hundred dollars a piece to kill somebody if that's not some like West Virginia bullshit I don't know what is yeah a twenty five hundred dollar hit yeah that is (laughs) I mean when you hear usually like hiring a hitman it's it's a little bit six figures yeah 
Jeez, okay. No, I'm just, whenever I read that, I was just like, Jesus Christ, like, mm. Yeah, I wonder if the other hitman, like, already kind of wanted him gone, or... So the reason Chino had for orchestrating this hit was that Josh was having an affair with his wife, Kelly. Hmm. And one of the men he paid to do this was Jesse Heater, and he was a cousin of Kelly. So that really doesn't mean anything other than the fact that a cousin of Kelly was one of the hitmen okay. to kill one of Chino's victims for having an affair with Chino's wife. Which is like... Who is Kelly? Kelly, yes. Okay. Which is like... Boop, 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 boop. So he hired his wife's cousin to kill Joshua. Who was having an affair. Okay. Did you say the ages of both of these guys? I think they were in their like mid twenties or like both were, of them. Yeah, I, I'm not positive, but they like they were definitely not over like th- like early thirties, like mid twenties, early thirties. They were young. Okay. Because I saw pictures of them and they were like not like definitely like, younger. So while all of this makes Chino seem far from a likable character, the reality around town was quite the opposite. Chino was beloved by the community for both his restaurant and his house parties, and police would frequent both. Oh. A friend of mine lived around the area around the time of Luke's disappearance and had a friend who was dating another one of Kelly's cousins. And can you guess the name of this cousin? Hmm. Uh, our first victim's name? Dylan. Dylan, okay. So now we know that not only was there an unknown Dylan picking up Luke, now we know that not only did Chino hire one of Kelly's cousins to carry out a hit for somebody cheating on, for his wife cheating on him with another man. Oh, wow. So we're like, we're using the cousins and mm-hmm. we're killing people who have affairs with Kelly. That's two things that Chino does. Okay. So Kelly's having more than one affair. More than one affair. Okay. And you said they owned a restaurant? Chino did. And my friend was telling me like, there was a whole, like, a whole bunch going around town. Apparently, like, Chino was into some sketchy shit. There was another restaurant, like, a chain restaurant coming in. Mm-hmm. And there was also a restaurant he was building for his wife. And I forget the name of it. But his wife's restaurant, like, burnt down, like, right after, like, the grand opening. And then the, comp- like, the competition's restaurant burnt down. Like... Before it could even be opened, and it was apparently, like, everyone was saying it was Chino's way of being, like, get the fuck off my block. But it was, like, a, it was, like, a chain, so they were, like, we're still gonna, we're still gonna do this. Like, you're not (laughs) gonna intimidate a corporation. (laughs) Yeah, coincidence? Hmm. So Chino was a sketchy character. Gotcha. But, yeah, I could see, like, in small towns, owning a restaurant, you do get to know a lot of people, and you said he was a likable guy around town, so. And even at house parties. That kind of paints a picture, Yeah. So my friend reported going to one of these house parties at Chino's, and there was underage drinking, there was illicit drugs, and most importantly, there were police officers partaking in all of the festivities. Oh. Hmm. Illicit drugs, like, hot or more intense than Cocaine that? Okay. was mentioned. Okay. So, yeah. So some pretty wild house parties. Indeed. So now that we have talked about all of this, I haven't mentioned something until now, but it was very well known around town 
that Luke was also involved with Kelly. Oh, no. Chino's wife. Oh, dear. So with this final piece of the puzzle, it seems clear as day that Chino hired Dylan to in some way dispose of Luke. Okay. And he was going out with a Dylan. That so. was not known. Like, the family said that he had a few friends named Dylan. Gotcha. So... It could have been. I don't know if they were friends. Like, maybe he was friends with Chino's cousin. I mean, Kelly's cousin. Because it seemed like it is a small town, and it seems like even, like, the Stouts are not not on speaking terms with at least Kelly. Because after Luke went missing, I was talking to Selena, and she was telling me about how Luke went over there. And they were like, okay, like, where's Luke? Like, do you have you seen him? Like, we, like, went we to know. Kelly. Kept, like went, yeah okay directly like they went to her door and were like knock 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 mm-hmm. like have you seen luke and she was like no i haven't I haven't seen him oh interesting did she seem like upset like was it kind of open that they were yeah i think it was very open okay and that's like the something that makes it like because my friend was like everybody knew that they were having the affair and I didn't want to put that in here until i talked to selena and selena was like yeah they were to, uh seeing each other. So I was like, okay, since that's known, then we don't have to like pussyfoot around that. We can say that everybody knew because it's a small town. Yeah, things get around. And especially if it's a character in the small town, which Chino was, then it's people going to talk. Okay. So, so far, yeah, it is adding up and catching this pattern of don't, you know, mess around with Kelly. Or Chino. Or Chino. Especially Chino. So months before... Luke disappeared. He had a confrontation with Chino, and it was a physical fight of sorts, and it w- didn't leave him like in any way like deca- like decapitated. Oh my gosh, like disabled or like debilitated or anything of that nature. Mm-hmm. And alcohol was involved in this confrontation, and supposedly because of this, police did nothing. However, the police tell a different story. They said that whenever Luke came in to report it. They could tell he was drunk, and they said to come back in and make another statement, and he never did. Okay. So that, I'm like, could be extra sketchy, like them trying to cover up for Chino, or it could genuinely be he was drunk, and he never wanted to go back, because I'm like, "Ah, I wouldn't want to go back. Yeah. He wants to make two trips to a police station, not... (laughs) Yeah, especially, yeah, when they kind of already heard the gist. So, yeah, either could be. Elizabeth Stout would not sit back and allow the town's police to just forget about her son. She was a fierce protector of Luke's name, even getting an officer removed from the force who was caught, quote, bad-mouthing Luke at a local bar. Good for her. This officer had numerous, numerous DUIs on his record. I'm almost positive it was like 12. It's so frustrating. DUIs on his record. And it took Elizabeth raising some complaints about him talking shit at a bar to get him kicked off. Yep. It's awful, but not surprising. In October of 2012, Elizabeth took her complaints to the city council and begged for more to be done. And at this point, it's like, even at that point, it was said that they believed that he was passed away, Luke. But they just wanted some more resolution. They wanted, like, a, like they wanted something to be done. Yeah, they wanted them to put in at least some effort. And it sounds like so far they've done nothing, right? They've literally been counterproductive. Yeah. And the fact that they denied us the only people that were going to help. Exactly. At this city council meeting, when they were voicing their complaints, they were asked to leave as the city council didn't feel that this was the right place 
to voice their, to voice their frustrations against police. Well, they've tried voicing them to the police. That's so frustrating. Elizabeth would stage multiple protests outside the police station, city hall, and even Chino's restaurant. Signs called out the police for refusing free help, called for justice for Luke, and even asked how Luke tasted outside Chino's restaurant. Oh my. And then like, I couldn't find anything online about that, but that was from my friend. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, hell yeah, Elizabeth. Like, she yeah. seems like such a, like a warrior, honestly, because she was dealing with terminal illness oh, this oh, entire time. Oh my goodness, yeah. And then she loses her one of her main caretakers and she's still fighting. And just refuses to back down in such a hard situation. Yeah, it's really admirable. I wish that more people police-wise, were willing to help her. So yeah, in conclusion, Elizabeth Stout was a badass mother who showed extreme resilience after her son disappeared. Absolutely. She would never give up the quest for answers regarding her son's disappearance. However, tragically, in late 2020, Elizabeth would pass away after a lengthy battle with cancer. Elizabeth deserved to have answers along with the rest of Luke's loved ones. And the lack of explanation and conclusion for his disappearance is unacceptable. Oh yeah, and I feel so bad for the other brothers too. Losing their brother like that and their mom. I just, yeah, I feel awful for the family. And it's just like, it seems like all the pieces are there. And Chino is already in prison. Like he was charged with unlawful entry to the United States, possessing 16 firearms at his residence illegally, second degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder. Wow. So 16 firearms. That's... So I'm like, he's already in there. Yeah. Like, why are we... They're not even... They're not protecting him. They're protecting themselves because they were at his parties doing drugs and watching underage people drink. And that would look very badly on a police officer. Oh, yeah. But... So... Did they do anything? Like, did they even tell the family, like, oh, we'll question him or will do a search again or have they just completely been rejecting every single to my to my understanding they've just been completely ignoring it completely ignoring it and i think especially with the fact that chino is in jail now or in prison now that they're like well if you think that's what happened he's already in jail so what's good what's looking into it gonna do other than make us look bad Okay, well, if they wanted to just not go down that route, like, they could at least go down other roads and attempt in the off chance that it was something else. I mean, that's... They have to have a feeling that it was him as well. (laughs) That face you're making, (laughs) like, uh... Yeah. Yeah, this one is very frustrating. Because, like, to me, it makes perfect sense. To me, I see what happened here. I think that he hired somebody else and it was like right before he got all the habu blue started around joshua's murder so like it, it, it was right before so he had he was out and he had the resources that he had the first time has kelly ever spoken on it ben. i mean i'm sure she's like you know she's a victim in this situation too you know like most of the sources just tell you like this is when he went missing this uh josh was found and it's possible that it was chino like, the whole Dylan being Kelly's cousin thing is, I don't even, I don't know if I saw that in any articles or not, but I, that was confirmed by Selena and my friend. Wow. 
So, it's so they like, don't even like that part getting out there. Well, it's just, or I don't even know. I feel like it's just because it's such a small town too. Yeah. That the true. it's like there's no coverage. There's no media. That's like there's no the sources aren't there to look at the stuff. You know. I don't know how to put it. But this was probably the one that I had the least amount. Like th- honestly, like for writing my script and like my notes, it was like fifty percent like articles and fifty percent like honestly like hearsay. But like it's from the family and from people who saw it and like eyewitness accounts of what happened in these places. And you know that's unfortunately, <laughs> I'm glad that you were able to talk to those people because it sounds like these police really don't want the truth getting out there and they don't have the resources there to try to spread. Besides this family trying so hard to get it out and you know going to these different things and. Yeah, it's really frustrating and sad. It is. And I'm not really sure how his brothers feel at this point, if they're just like wanting to let it rest or like whatnot. But it's clear that Selena is very passionate about finding missing persons and being involved in like new missing persons in this state. And she has taken this tragedy and turned it into like, like I said in the beginning, a mission. Yeah. So he was surrounded by some really awesome, resilient women. Yep, this. So what do you, like, are you with me on the fact that, like, you think that it was, you think this was a murder for hire plot and that they're just letting this man get away with it? Well, yeah. I mean, it's just the sole fact that the police won't even look into other options, even. And, I mean, small town hearsay carries a lot of weight, especially in situations like this, like a family that everybody knew and these alleged parties, you know, Rumors go around, but these things have to stem from somewhere. And if the police don't even want to try to do, like, a cover-up, they're just completely ignoring it. I mean, there's nothing else to really think could have happened. Well, I wanted to ask, too, was the bike the only piece of evidence that has ever showed up? Physical evidence, yes. Wow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No body. And the fact that the police didn't even run that for, like, prints. That is, we're in 2012! It was 2012! Like, so, like, we yeah. had some sort of technology there. Oh, yeah. Like, at least keep it for a little while, so if it does, if shit does hit the fan, yeah. then you can test it. Don't just say, take it home. Don't, tell, oh, don't show no interest at all. Yeah, I mean, how many times have you heard, like, the wildest little detail, like a particle of DNA solving things? They didn't even run the bike for anything. Like... This is a quote from a... Um, one of the officers regarding um, Luke's case, and it was like one of the more recent quotes talking about its developments. And it says, it's not a cold case when there are still things to do. It would only be a cold case if there were no leads coming in anymore, but we still get leads. So if anyone has any information, please pass it along. Um, it sounds like people do follow them up. Like, So just in case there are anybody, there's anybody out there in Buckhannon listening and maybe this number I'm sure you have called and you've tried to but this is a tip line posted in association with Luke's case the number is 304-473-1001 that's 304-473-1001 So if you have any concrete information regarding Luke's case, you can contact them with it. 
and I'm having this thought like after I'm saying all of this, but honestly, get in contact with Selena first. Yeah. <laughs> like get on Facebook and find those links to the groups. And if you have any solid information and you haven't been in contact with Selena, get in contact with her and give her that information before you do anything with it. Because it seems like the police haven't been interested in doing anything. Yeah. It's unfortunate that she has to be the one that is doing this, but I mean, it's extremely admirable and my heart's really with the family. I mean, that is truly a tragedy that's not being taken seriously enough. He was a 24 year old who took care of his terminally ill mother and worked full time and would call her multiple times throughout the day to check on her, take her stuff home. Like he would like, wait on her hand and for it, loved her to death. Like, and it just breaks my heart. Oh, yeah. It seems I mean, like it's, it's all. Mm. Definition of someone that wouldn't just leave Absolutely. willingly and never tell them. Absolutely. Yeah, I haven't even like we. I haven't even mentioned that being a possibility in this case. No, and it's it's just not. It's funny that because that is like any disappearance, you would like to entertain that idea, but and we're like at the end of it, and I haven't even mentioned that once because that's not what happened here, and that's it's clear. Yeah, very it much. Is clear. And so young too. Mm. You know, it's so sad. And it's like, you would think they would be able to find something, like some sort of I mean, if they found the bike just in a CVS, you said, right? But that was in Buckhannon. So, like, if they were going to dispose of a bike in such a willy-nilly way, they were probably going to put the body somewhere far away. Well, that's what I mean. Like, the fact that they didn't find anything else kind of gives me the impression that they weren't looking, because... It was his own family that found the bike. Like, they could have found that <laughs> if they were looking out and taking them seriously. They found it, what, just a few days later? Yeah, I can't help but think if they were taking it more seriously, they could have found it sooner, done some sort of... gotten an idea of what path he took once he left, at least. And camera footage? Like, CBS <laughs> has cameras? So, it was like a good... Like, CBS, I think... I mean, I don't think CVS. No, the fact that yeah. CVS was mentioned, I think it's just like a landmark because it was like CVS and like good ways behind it was the okay. park. It showed a map and it was like, it wouldn't have been able to see it. Okay. And it even talked about like the persons whose trailer it was found, like they had the name, but like there were no way. It was like that, that bike was placed there. It was dumped there. Okay. Yeah. So there was no cameras that could have picked up on someone mm-hmm. disposing of it. Unless one of the trailers had like a ring. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like. <laughs> There's, well, and I mean, I guess this was 10 years ago at least, but I just can't help but think that there'd be street cameras somewhere that could have just gotten a few ideas of how that bike got disposed there. Like, trailer parks in Morgantown, even. I'm like, are there street cameras in trailer parks? Well, like, there's just street cameras everywhere. I mean, I feel like if you drive, like, a mile from anywhere to anywhere, like, I don't know. I don't know. Rural West Virginia. I don't know. Okay, fair enough. I, I feel like there's parts of Morgantown where I, like, I don't, I don't know if there would be cameras. Like, lights, definitely. All lights. I watch, like, the, what, like, copaganda shows, I guess. <laughs> like, I'm getting the idea from, like, you know law and order of them like going through all the street cameras and like trying to look at each car and like so 
yeah, I guess it's more realistic that they didn't have all of those resources. Because I think street cameras would solve a lot more than they do. Like, it's because it seems like street cameras and, like, because CCTV, it's normally associated with, like, a living area or, like, a school or, like, a store. It's like if there's money involved. <laughs> Like or at lights because they yeah, get lights, money for stoplights like, stuff like that. If yeah. there's money involved, that's true. And it is unfortunate these smaller towns in West Virginia. It's just an underserved population. They don't get the resources that they deserve, especially in this situation. You know, it's a missing 24 year old in his hometown. Was he like born and raised there? I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah, I mean it's just unfortunate. Like that's where he was growing up and where he stayed and i think just being from west virginia and knowing a lot of people around these smaller parts west virginia i mean morgantown isn't big but you know it's that's something that really brings you into the town and makes you love it and feel at home it's a small safe town and it's really unfortunate that they're not funded enough to have the resources to protect a young 24 year old that was just trying to get his bike fixed so he could go to work take care of his mom oh that's so sad so that is the craziest west virginia true crime story from a small town that you probably have never heard before and that is the disappearance of luke stout who is still missing today wow 10 years later so as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, I will have Selena's Facebook pages that she is associated with linked in the sources of this episode. And I urge you all to look into those, especially if you're from West Virginia. It would just help to have more eyes and ears and just knowledge on the case. If you are in West Virginia, definitely check out her pages. I wanted to thank Gwen for coming on her very first episode. Yes, thank you for having me. I first told Patrick I didn't want to be on the show because I hate my voice, but you guys are just gonna have to suffer through it. So. I think you sound pretty good. I think you, you'll you be surprised. Most people wow, who thanks. hate their voice, it's like, okay, it doesn't, it doesn't actually sound that bad. I don't know about that, but we'll see. Everybody <laughs> always asks me, like, do you ever get tired of just like hear, like listening to your voice over and over again? I'm like, hmm. No. <laughs> no, I don't. I guess but, I'm in the right field. I guess making a podcast is right for me. Exactly. Thank you for having me on. And yeah, my heart is just with the family and with Selena for trying all these years later. If you guys want to connect with me and share with me your theories, give me any case suggestions or just chat about true crime, you can follow me on Instagram at podcast NAU. That is at podcast NAU. That's the best way to get in contact with me directly, or you can go to my Facebook, Not Adding Up, or my TikTok, Not Adding Up, and I also post about my cases on those. I hope everybody is having a great morning, afternoon, or evening whenever it is you are listening to this, and I hope you all tune in again soon for another case that just does not add up, unless in this case it perfectly adds up and the police just don't want to do anything about it.